Hey guys, and welcome back to the OPD podcast with Joe and Austin. We have a guest on today's episode who actually joins me in real life. So we're currently sat in the same room. This could be the first time this has happened on OPD, I think. Um, so we have Leon Pierce, aka the classic ghost on Instagram. Um, Leon is a posing coach, posing extraordinaire, and funny enough, your client Austin, who just did very well, was it yesterday? Um, uh, so it was actually Friday. They had, I, I believe, they had the show Friday night because they had the Arnold Classic yesterday, and it was the same location. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that's why they, they did it like that. Okay, cool. Well, anyway, that's a yeah. So Leon, Leon poses your client, Billy Heck. Is it Billy? Is it Billy Heck? Yeah. Yep. Out, yep, out. Billy. Looked absolutely awesome. So we want to speak with you guys today a little bit about presentation. We we touched on it briefly actually on the podcast with Will recently, which is probably why this is going to be a good one here. So I'm going to let Leon explain the importance of presentation. Um, the importance of practicing your posing just like you would anything else, etc. But before we get into that, uh, Leon, just give the people um, an overview of who you are, what you do, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, man. Thank you, Joe. So, as you say, Leon Pierce, I am obviously a posing coach myself and a competitive classic bodybuilder, soon to be open because I am outgrowing my weight cap, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, you know, I've, I've just been really interested in posing since I started. I just had an obsession with it. So it just, for me, it was just practice, practice, practice. I really enjoyed the posing side of things and the presentation is what I fell in love with more than anything. So I quickly found it to become a lot more important to be able to present yourself a lot better as well. Um, being if you're in lineups with guys that can be slightly bigger, slightly muscular, just having that edge as well, um, like presentating yourself can just lead to a higher place in, in some cases. But like I think you touched on in the podcast last week with Will, it, it's a hard one with classic physique at the moment because they're either sticking to the criteria going off of the classic guy or they're going for just the biggest bodybuilder who can scrape the weight category, which is quite an annoying one to to be going around at the minute in classic physique. What do you reckon on that, Austin? Do you have the same sort of views? In the US, <clears throat> in the US, I've actually been told this by a judge, by more than one judge, that it's pretty much the biggest, or I'm not gonna say the biggest, the best bodybuilder that fits the weight cap. So, you know, take that for what you will, but in my eyes, that that basically means bodybuilding criteria that fits the weight and height requirements, right? So you, I don't really – there's not much difference between the two other than there's a, a height requirement to go along with the weight requirement, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you for sure. What do you think about Terrence this, uh, this weekend? Because he's certainly not visually the biggest one. See, I think there's a fine line between, like, Olympia level classic physique and like a, a fine line between amateur classic physique at the moment and then professional classic physique. I think they, they, they judge them differently in some cases, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, your biggest difference would be obviously everyone's lumped together when you get to the pro level, right? So you, <clears throat> you still have weight and height requirements, but they are, you know, they're putting everyone together. So I feel that at that point, you'd have to judge slightly different, wouldn't you? I mean, it's not – you're going to have somebody like, uh, you know, Brian Jones, I think was the guy's name, and he's – I don't I don't know how tall he is. He's probably over six feet tall. Very yeah. Big dude. And then there was the uh, Fabian – I can't remember his last name. I'm pretty sure he was probably six feet tall or more. So you would think at that point there would have to be – there would have to be some consideration because even if take someone like Terrence, whose density and overall muscularity is probably as good, right? But 
just the shoulder girdle is going to be like these guys that are six feet tall a lot of the time have this like really wide clavicles and they're just much bigger take um open right look at steve kuklo next to nick walker mm, yeah same thing right so there's got to be there's got to be something to decipher the two so in, in the pro league it seems like they do judge it a lot more classically i guess if you will it's like this weekend i i personally would have had logan winning this weekend as well, myself going off of that classic look like <clears throat> i feel he turned up the best he, he has so far and the way he presented himself as well was so classic and so old school even the routine yeah so what it, you know that's a good question like what what is what is classic because if you they say oh you know you talk about old school lines of things if you go back a little ways if you want to go you know 80s 70s 80s <clears throat> most of those guys had larger upper bodies compared to their lower bodies would you agree yeah for the most part yeah so you know logan not that not that he has no legs. I mean, he says legs still, but, but obviously he fits that. He fits that look more than somebody else. Whereas some of these guys, when you take people that have moved up to 212, for example, like George Peterson, uh, where I don't see anything classical about that. No, I mean, I'm bang on with you there. Like he was destined to move up such a dense guy and a big dude as well. He just, he was dying to grow. <laughs> he just had no classical flow either. No, know. which is another part of it as well. Like you look at guys like Terence, like he might be outside, but the way that Terence poses as well is just unreal. So we we opened this up talking about presentation, and we immediately went into classic physique. Yeah. So <laughs> isn't that interesting? Because. And that always happens, that draw of the conversation, that line of the conversation goes straight to classic. When quite clearly, your work can only be displayed under perfect presentation in any... Excuse the sound of my wife shouting in the background, by the way, guys. Um, can only be displayed in, in uh, any class, right? Your presentation is key. Um, so quite clearly, it goes about saying that um, every single class should treat their posing like they treat their nutrition. Yes. And this is something I saw from you, Leon, through your prep. You were practicing posing every day. Every day, sometimes twice a day. Yeah, just like your cardio. Yeah. Just like your meals, it was done. So maybe that's something that we can try and get across in this podcast of how people can program Posing practice, but I, I, in fact, I'll say it one way that I do it, and you guys tell me if you guys do it any differently. So, I use posing as an expenditure tool um, with clients frequently. For example, on their expenditure tab on their Google Sheets, it may say mandatories five rounds in the AM with 10 second holds of each pose. And because anyone that's posed hard knows that it's hard, yeah, big pump, sweat on. You know, it's tough, it's glucose intensive. Um, and that's how I force clients to do it because I feel like if their fat loss depends on it, yeah. <laughs> they will do it. Um, Austin, do you, do you have any kind of implementation of posing practice with clients? Yeah, so some of the guys like Billy, for example, I mean, he, he was very diligent about it. So that was something that we discussed and I kind of just, you know, I let you guys handle that. And then I just basically stayed in the loop in terms of how much he was doing, but oddly enough, his cardio requirements went down. <laughs> right. So, um, probably something, you know, probably correlation there. Now people that maybe don't have a coach, uh, posing coach, <clears throat> I do that. I'll actually, and I will generally ramp up posing frequency or duration or more both towards a certain point in prep. And it might even get to a point where, um, we are lowering cardio requirements. We're just adding in additional posing instead of your traditional expenditure, like steps or walking on the treadmill or, you know, whatever. Right. So, um, yeah, I like that. I mean, cause why not? It's not only is it, not only is it caloric expenditure, but it's also something that's useful. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm totally on board with that. If you can plus, I mean, you don't want to be the guy that's up there, 
like one, you know, one round of turns and your guts hanging out. <laughs> you know? So, and it happens, it happens in the pro leagues even. There is a real so. It's a different level of what people are used to as well. Like, because if, like, I know you get a lot of people as well that look at posing as like, like for Will, for instance, again, we go back to Will, he said last week that he, he can't take himself seriously if he looks in the mirror trying to practice posing. Mm. But for someone like myself who, in, who enjoys it, I, I would just as much enjoy practicing posing as your normal person would enjoy going to train to go and hit a great session with a good chess session mm. or something. For me, it's just as much of an enjoyment. So that's why it becomes easy for me. So I think if you can try and implement it as something that's just as important as that enjoyable training session, it then becomes part of the routine as well. Because like you say, you don't want to be that that guy or girl that turns up on the day and just has no <clears throat> or gets blown out in the first call out. Like, yeah, well, again, use Will as the example all the work that he put in and then when we got the feedback on um why he didn't win the overall yeah. two rows like the overall that you first out in like, out yeah just on presentation just on presentation so it's uh, obviously extremely important so but how would you generally recommend me on guys get into like let's say somebody's decided to do their first contest prep they've never posed before they know what the mandatories are but they've never done them they maybe hid it in the mirror a few times so what i would normally do i have guys that have come to me at the moment actually that are just looking to compete say next year which is the perfect time to be able to start your posing a good year out from a competition like in the start of your off season or in the peak of your off season before you even look at the shows but you've just got the idea in your head of competing mm. to be able to get used to posing when you're uncomfortable in the off season, to get it in there, keep going over it. And then once you get lean, then the posing becomes a little bit easier because you mm. can move and your mobility becomes better because you can actually get into poses because you're not completely full of primo. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, primo and Lance is difficult to yeah. get your poses. Yeah. yeah. But also, um, if you're a complete novice in posing, you've never done it before, obviously you're going to want to do a few calls first to, nail the, say the, the creme of the crop really, like your, your mandatories and your quarter turns because they are what you're getting judged on, you know? Unless, yeah. unless you're doing a high level competition, say like the Arnold's or the NBA, which are probably the only competitions that judge you on a routine. Yeah. The, say the routine is just the icing on the cake to a great physique to be able to present yourself. It's just doing bodybuilding a good duty, I would say. Mm. It's been able to show a nice routine so you want to obviously nail these mandatories first to get, which is getting you the win or the higher placing, obviously. Mm -hmm. So which are more of a priority than the routine. So starting with the more important things first and then easing into a more difficult thing like a routine. Yeah. And um, do, you, do you think, because when me and Austin first started this podcast, I would say it's, such a long time ago now that actually having an online coach was still, um, I would say, a luxury. Mm. Whereas now it just seems to be a given. I feel like posing coaching is going to go this way. Yeah. Um, like a few people will have a posing coach, not everyone will. But I think pretty soon that's going to be the thing. If you, if you prep, you have a posing coach. Yeah. You know, if you're serious, this is what I say to people, if you're serious about competing and you're serious about wanting to place well, then opposing coach should be a priority. Mm. If you're, unless you're a really good poser, but there's not a lot of people that are naturally a really good poser. So, or then, then it comes into a plate of cost. Yeah. If you catch it far out, you don't have to do every single week. You can do like a once a month and mm. just have a little trickle over to refresh you on the posing. Mm. And then like I you get majority of my clients come to me when they're like three, four weeks out and they're like, right, I need a routine, I need posing. And they're like, well, it's a, it's very late, so you're gonna have to do at least one, maybe even two sessions a week yeah. to be able to get in the right spot, then costing them double and triple the money in that case. So 
this is why I say catching mm -hmm. early is always a better right. way to go about it. Mm. Yeah, this is one that's happened recently a few times. Um, in fact, it was Rye Brambleby that I was talking to about this. Uh, he was saying, like, I'm having this abundance of people message me. I'm two weeks out from the show. Yeah, I have to say. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I haven't practiced my posing yet. Yeah. I did a routine for a guy last week who is a week out now from the Arnold uh, in the UK, and he wanted a routine done. And he was like, I don't want just a simple routine. He said, I want a, a pretty good routine as well. But if you've ever been sent a routine by a posing coach before in the past and tried to learn that routine just by watching the dude do it in his front row, it's very hard to try and copy and do. Yeah. You need to allow yourself time unless you are a Terence Ruffin or unless you are a Logan Franklin, but not many people are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like your point there too. I, I mean... <clears throat> I've competed, I don't even know how, probably 12 times, 12, 12 or 13 shows. Um, and I get, I normally purchase at least four to five sessions every prep still. Yeah. Just because, um, you know, just because, well, not only, not only for a refresher, but your physique should evolve over time. So your posing can potentially change. Right. Um, and, you know, there might be things that suited me before that might not suit me well now, you know, poses that were weaker before that are better now, or even some of my better shots before might not even be my better shots now, you know, so um, having someone that can, if you just get lazy with it, you're doing every, you're posing exactly the same from when you start to when you're 40 to 50 pounds bigger on stage. I mean, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. Who do you use for posing, Austin? I've used a lot. I've used a few different people. Um, when I very first started, I just had a local guy help me, you know, somebody that was at the gym that was a good bodybuilder. And he, you know, he just helped me at the gym a couple times a week, run through some poses. I've, uh, I know Terrence pretty well. So I've worked with Terrence a couple times. Uh, Kenny Wallach, back when, Kenny now is extremely busy. It's very hard to schedule with. <laughs> uh, but those those mainly, and the last couple times, Terrence, just because we were friends and he was doing, we were doing some other things on the side together. So, you know, it was just more convenient. But I actually have had clients go to different people too. And I like different, I like looking at different people's, you know, uh, opinions on things. So my next prep, I may just ask somebody else different. Right, because why not? Yeah, yeah, get Leon, man. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I don't, yeah, man. It's a good thing, though, because what you say is looking at different people. I understand why people have that because every different boat coach poses differently, and everyone has that little bit of wisdom, that little bit of titrating something here and mm. changing something there. Everyone has a little touch that they put on their posing, so it is a good sure. thing. So, I'm interested. You know I mean, I've taken, I've taken things from everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Just like so. this, is, this is it, isn't it? Isn't all of this exactly like everything else that we do in bodybuilding? Over yeah. time, training, nutritionally, you pick up the bits that make sense to you. Yeah. And you carry them forward. Posing is no different. It, it almost feels sometimes like the posing is divorced from the rest of it, but it's not. It's all one thing, isn't it? Yeah. And surely, one of the most important things. Because it is your one chance. Sometimes you have one minute to show the work that you've done for the last six months sometimes. Because a good way to compare the needs of a poser coach is how many times have you heard a coach or someone training say, you know, for the first five to 10 years of my life, I trained myself, I coached myself, and I was not progressing very fast. Yeah. And then they got a coach and all of a sudden, they added 30 pounds in a year and they blew up because they had that in place and the extra eyes looking over them. It's exactly the same with a posing coach. Mm. Once you implement the posing coach, you're then just going to be better and better each show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen physiques look like someone different when they've come back from a posing session. Or, you know, recently Dan, who you pose, um, 
his check-ins. I looked in, I was like, what the hell, Dan? Like, you look like a different person. <laughs> just these right. slight adjustments, like, starting from just even moving the feet. Like, I always say posing starts from the feet. Your feet are your foundations. Like a house, you can't build a house without the foundations and the brickwork, you know? Mm. You need to start from the feet up with a pose. You just, it's small little tweaks. Yeah, the foot yeah. positioning, just moving the, the chest more up on, on a front relaxed, popping the lats slightly in quarter turns, half low out of air, just to tighten up the midsection. There's these tiny little tweaks. So these little tweaks now, what would you say in your experience posing people is the most common thing that you just need to make a little adjustment to? Switching on the legs. Mm -hmm. Most shows you'll see guys and they'll tense in their, they're, they're tense in their upper half. They're looking solid in the upper and they always forget to switch the legs on. Just gripping the floor with the toes or slightly dropping down and sinking into the hips to get the serrations and the separation going through the quads. Mm -hmm. It's just these small little things like, um, Probably another one as well. Like guys, when they're facing the rear, that slight lean back to meet with the judge's eye level so the judges can see a better version of the back rather than leaning too far forwards. Backs on the biceps, throwing, rotating the shoulders back, just that extra inch when you don't feel comfortable shows so much more peak of the bicep. Like I say, it's all about these tiny little tweaks when it comes to posing. It can just create the illusion of being bigger, which is what posing is, if you say, is the illusion of showing a bigger version of what you actually are. Mm. Okay, I've got a question for you on posing. Um, rear shots, glutes tucked or hips flexed? But this is person dependent. Yeah. Like everything, like coaching, like online coaching, being a coach, like everyone is different. If you have nice big glutes, some guys can get away with having them poked out because they'll still be serrated because they're just they just got big glutes. Yeah. Whereas for my physique personally, I like to have them tucked. Yeah. Like I've not done cardio for this long to not show my glutes serrated like a walnut. Yeah. So yeah. I want to show them glutes. <laughs> but that's just me personally, but it's personally independent really. You need to same of any pose, it's like a lot of people will come to me and be like, why well, I want to hit this vacuum shot from the front. But their, their rib cage might not suit that vacuum. So you need to know when you suit a pose and when you don't. Yeah, let, let's talk vacuum. So very popular in classic classes, but I'm not the biggest fan of the vacuum. Me neither, because I got beat with a guy with a great vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for me, I think if they're gonna go for the vacuum in classic, they need to make it a mandatory rather than keep picking guys with vacuums over guys with solid midsections. Mm. I think it's like they're half in with it and they're half out. What, what would you say? Is that similar to the US there, um, Austin? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because I, I can't see, <clears throat> if you want to do it in your routine or you want to do it as part of your, one of the one of the poses here is they'll say your favorite classic pose, right? So they that's fine. You can do it. But I not a huge fan of rewarding someone in like the the ab and thigh pose that only does a vacuum exactly. because that's not the pose it's a you're not you're, you're just showing a vacuum and if you want to do a vacuum if you want to maybe pull a quick one and then crunch your abs that's fine but it's an abdominal thigh pose I, like you're not even doing the pose if all you do is a vacuum exactly so to me it's kind of like hey a great vacuum is awesome but that's you're not doing the post <laughs> you know what i mean so yes. it's like the guys that do a side tricep like i like the side triceps where people twist in and show their quad and stuff i think it's great but some of these guys are twisted in so far there's not even any tricep in the pose yeah, yeah. it's like a it's, it's like a front it's like showing the front of your bicep and your abs mm. you know it's not the pose so yeah i i agree but there was a good representation of that actually. Um, a bit of good judging recently. Did you see Tim's in Classic, um, who has a great midsection and doesn't vacuum? Absolutely yep. solid midsection and beat the guys like Logan who was pulling the vacuums. And that was good to see because they're 
not just judging the move of the vacuum, they're going off of the guy with the actual solid midsection, which is the absolute five hose, not the vacuum and five hose, you know? Yeah, I I agree. It's like, I, like again, I just think it's, I just think maybe you, I understand, you know, posing for your physique is great, but sometimes they let people get away with a little bit too much, if that makes sense. Yeah. It suits so, uh, doesn't it? Like, there being like an instance in the front double bicep, some guys might not have a great stretched out ab look. When they're leaning back and popping their lats, their, their abs are so far stretched out, they almost look washed out. So for a person sure. like that, it would be handy to be able to pull a vacuum because the vacuum looks better on that physique than their midsection. So I understand poses like that with guys. But it's sure. just like a, like people just think now that they, like if they're doing for classic physique, like they have to vacuum, but some guys just do not suit a vacuum at all. So there's no need the to vacuum, um, The vacuum is as mainstay as the mustache now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah man. Put, put a mustache on big Rami, he'll probably be classic. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. I don't the I just I just laugh at that sometimes. Not that, not that there's anything wrong with a mustache. A good mustache is great, but I just laugh it's like, oh what happened? Like why do, why do three quarters of the guys have mustache now? <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean you guys are all copying Mike Menser, who wasn't very classic. Yeah, that's true. Mm. What a physique. Yeah. Exactly. So dense. Yeah. The one of the one of the original heavy duty guys, right? Yeah. If not the original heavy duty guy, yeah. Yeah, probably. Well, also the original uh starvation and amphetamine contest prep. Yeah, I was just about to say the the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, to bring it back quickly, I think one of the greatest utilities for opposing coaches in routine design, yeah. and everyone will know the routines that you watch at a show are going to be, some of them are going to be the most enjoyable part of the day, and some of them are going to be the most awkward part of the day. Yeah. Yeah. See, read my mind. Yeah. Um, how do you go about designing a routine for a specific individual? music choice, what transitions to use, stuff like that. So obviously music choice is a big factor in the routine. Usually what I'll do, if someone wants a routine for me, I will tell them to send me at least a good four or five shots of their favorite that suit their physique the most straight away. So then I can implement them into their routine. Because it obviously displays, because you want to display the best you, that you can, right? So. You want to implement that into your routine. And also you need to find a song where if I'm designing a routine for someone, I'll have the music in cue with the poses because there's nothing worse than watching a routine to this. A guy has Slipknot on in the background and he's just hitting a load of random most musculars. It just doesn't look nice at all, does it? So you need to know obviously the right song choice and the right poses for yourself. And obviously, Ability as well. This is another one that I get. So, say you got obviously, for instance, your client Billy Heck. He comes to me. Mm -hmm. He comes to me from Terence Ruffin, who designed him a routine, and he said <clears throat> of Terence doing it in his front room, and that would have took me five years to learn. <laughs> so mm -hmm. That is a technical routine. So I think there it's understanding your your clientele's ability to pose, like. I could create someone a routine which has got so many different spinning transitions in there. They might not be able to pull that off. So you need to get the right routine for that person's ability to be able to perform that and look tidy as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. I never thought about that. That's the same thing with coaching, isn't it? Exactly. You know, I, if I gave some kind of yummy mummy the most detailed hypertrophy training program in the world, yeah, exactly. She's like, what is this? <laughs> you know, so, and then, it just ends up being a mess, mm. which also happens. Um, what just, yeah. oh, sorry I'm jumping around here, but what just came to my brain, uh, an example of how presentation can change a super heavyweight bodybuilder. Joe Ballinger's routine in Norway mm. was so nice. Right. And 
do you know what people were calling him the classic super mm. because of his presentation? So you see how we're back to classic. But it's a strange thing you say about classic because in all in all, if you look at the presentation going back years ago, all the routines were mm. a priority. Like the guys had the best posing routines back then. There was all in Cuban music. There was all of the greatest routines were done back then with big guys as well. So that I feel like over time that has sort of slipped with yeah. the heavier guys. But it's good to see now that there's a few bigger guys that are actually concentrating more on their presentation. Like you've got obviously Sergio Olivia Jr., brilliant poser. You've got Cedric, who's a brilliant poser. Mm. Um, James Hollington is now in with John Masthouse, yeah, yeah. posing like like someone would say a classic routine. Did you look at the comments on that post though? We don't want to see this ballet shit. Yeah, but that, that's but that's just that is yeah. a good bodybuilding routine. Like I want to see it. You can't really define it, in my opinion, just a classic, right? No, not at all. Not at all. Cause I want to see it. I want to see big guys pose really nicely. It's a bit like when someone says to me, I pose like a bodybuilder. It's like, well, what do you mean I pose like a bodybuilder? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You obviously you have to pose for certain categories with um, certain mandatories, but bodybuilding in general should be all good posing, Yeah. in my opinion. I don't know if that's the same as you are. It's like saying I train like shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, well, you mean you look at <clears throat> classic and bodybuilding, the poses are pretty much the same except classic withholds a couple things. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that's really the only difference other than you have, like here in the US, we have, you know, your favorite, they don't do a most muscular, they do your favorite classical pose. But other than that, they're all bodybuilding poses. So why wouldn't someone just pose as good as they could for their physique either way? Yeah, I don't. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know where. I don't know why that's a new thing. You know what I mean? Like why? It's not a new thing. I mean, there's people that have been posing well all along. I know there was there was a point where people were like, it wasn't so much the look. It wasn't so much the posing. It was more so that people were displeased with the physiques because of just how big guys were getting and distension. You know all that stuff. But um, I mean, we're always going to have that. You, it's hard. It's hard for a lot of dudes to be 260 pounds on stage and have, you know, a 30 inch waist. That's tough. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what? It, I mean, it, it's a strange dichotomy, isn't it? Because if someone says to you like, "Haven't really practiced my pose in this prep yet," you might be inclined to be like, "Oh, okay, cool. You know, pick it up at the end." Imagine if someone said to you like, "I haven't really stuck to my diet this prep." Yeah. Or I haven't. I haven't mm. really trained. I haven't really geared this one. You'd be thinking it must be falling apart. The only thing is, unlike the body composition goal, it doesn't become fully elucidated until the show day. And then you realize, no, it has all fallen apart. <laughs> yeah. yourself clear beforehand, like the other things, which make it even more important because you can't objectively track it. And then you just embarrass yourself on show day, yeah. standing there looking really awkward. Yeah. When everyone else is posing great around you and you're just like really awkward and robotic, it doesn't do you any favors. And even subconsciously, judges aren't gonna like that. Even if they're just meant to judge the physique, there's a subconscious like, ugh, that doesn't look, I don't wanna look at that. Because I know it depends on the judges, because sometimes you'll see a lineup of, of guys or girls and you'll know the winner as soon as they walk on and they'll just push them to the side and just leave them there for the rest of the show because they know that they've already won the show because you can see they're the clear winner they might not even be able to pose as well but they might have just won from instant looking a lot better than everyone else so it's a hard one sometimes this is why i say they slip away from the criteria sometimes it's like it's yeah massively. Well, I mean, and a regional show, yeah, you could you can get away with that. I mean, there if you're that good, I mean, we've all seen it. Guys that can't, they don't put maybe not pose terribly, but they just don't pose well. But they are so much better than everyone else. But but you're not going to get that at a national level, you know, pro level. That's not going to happen. No. So it's just it's a little bit different. Again, there's just there's just levels to it. But on the flip side of that. On the regional level, yeah, you might you might move up a few spots just from presentation standpoint. Uh, it's like it's like when I see a guy walk out 
that has they're walking out and you can see in their legs that their legs have lines or strided there's you know lines in their glutes and they don't flex them and i just want to throw they're not even my client but i just want to throw something at them from the crowd (laughs) i want to scream it i want to scream their number even though they're not my client what are you doing (laughs) yeah it's uh frustrating well this is the thing like we say with these small tweaks like someone can have like an olympia worthy physique and all they've got to do is like sit the hips down ever so slightly an inch and just show off all the separation in the legs and it's just like you just want to shout at them don't you yeah yeah i know <clears throat> i remember my last show in 2019 was the last time i competed and i did two shows and the second one i had a pretty big pretty good sized class and they started they, you know, they, they had multiple call outs. They brought first call out and they just brought everyone out and they lined them up numerically, right? So you basically, everyone started wherever they brought you out. They started me on the end. As we went through each round of posing, a couple of the guys got sloppy and I kept getting moved closer and closer and closer to the center. And then I just looked at the, and then honestly, the guy that got, the guy that got second was more muscular for sure. But just posing, you know, fading, can't pose, can't hold poses, you know, so that stuff makes a, it makes a pretty big difference. And there's, there's even people that don't, I call them, you have your gem bodybuilders, you know, the guy that walks around in the t-shirt or tank top that has the, the arms and the delts, but on stage, it just doesn't translate, mm. you know, so you get guys that maybe are maybe more mediocre in the gym, but just look phenomenal when you put them on stage. So yeah, it's, a, it's a posing thing for sure, presentation. You should probably touch on the same thing as well, like uh, what you said there with yourself. It's got to be similar to Vinny this weekend. I was looking at some of the guys in his lineup and they looked all round bigger than him in some poses. But obviously, Billy has put the effort in with his posing with me week in, week out, where he must have outposed him and obviously outconditioned as well. Uh-huh. Presentation being the, the key to the win. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he, and we know, and we know where he's at size wise. He's actually put on almost 20 pounds from his last showing. So he's moving in the right direction, but he's, he just needs to continue to, to grow. And, but we knew conditioning and, and, and also like having some of the right body parts helps. Like if you have, if you have a decent quad sweep and a, and a wide enough upper body that gets you pretty far and you're in shape. That gets, that's going to carry you pretty far if you know how to really pull your lats open and pose your quads. And that, that alone will take you pretty far. Yeah, exactly. But this but, is like, and you say about lats as well, I would say to a lot of guys, because you see, I see guys come to me and they say, oh, I can't flex my lats. I can't get my lats to flex. You know, you know like them ones that just cut, like they hit a front double and they just can't activate their lats. I would say to these people, you need to practice on that first before hitting a stage if you want to place high. You need to be able to feel your lats before you think about stepping on stage. Sure. Yeah. And in some in some muscles, as you know, like some muscles aren't really meant to be squeezed and flexed extremely yeah. hard when you're on stage. They'll look worse. I mean, like your hamstring from a side pose. You don't need it, you know, your hamstring is gonna drop if you have it squeezed as hard as you can, yeah, it's going to, it's going to retreat back up. Same thing with the lats. Like we're opening the lats. The lats don't really have like the lats kind of a big round muscle. It's not like a, like a quad where you're basically going to, you know, you're going to squeeze it and flex it. But you know, some of that stuff, just not squeezing everything. And I don't know what your opinion is on this and how you teach guys, but there's like, there's always a fine line between, hitting a pose and squeezing and over flexing in a pose where it makes it look worse. 100%, 100%. I know exactly what you mean. You see guys and they're just trying to flex everything at once. Like they're saving their quarter turning. They're just trying to squeeze everything and they're hunching over. You just need to relax in some places as well and just only flex it's like one or two muscle groups at the same time and let the rest sit there because like you say, some 
things like the hamstrings, you don't actually need to be trying to squeeze because if you're legit peeled, legit stage lean, by the time you press that leg into the other leg, into the back leg, that's going to push your hamstring out anyway. So that's flexing without even trying to move it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I always say like posing, posing in most poses is 80% squeeze, right? I'm not, I'm not doing like a front double bicep. Once I set the legs and flex the arms, it's not a, it's not a pose where I should be shaking, you know, it's not, you shouldn't be flexing that hard. And most of the poses should look very similar in the sense that you shouldn't be, you know, shaking to where the point where you are, it looks like you're on the last rep of a set, <laughs> you know? You're just wasting so much unnecessary energy. This is another thing that we can touch on as well with posing and presentation. I say to people, you need to adapt some poses. Like for instance, a front relax. You see guys and they hit a front relax and their arms are as high as their shoulders. Like that sure. is all good to show the lats, but that is hard to hold throughout a whole pull out and your arms will fade very quickly. So just for instance, adapt that, hold the arms lower and the front relax isn't just focusing on popping the lats. It's also looking at things like your biceps, your midsection and your legs. It's not just a lat pose, otherwise it'd be a front lat split, you know? So adapting these poses to to be able to move on through that whole time on stage without gassing up too quickly as well. Um, here's a good question. So how about, how about quarter turns? So, well, we'll, we'll say bodybuilders, but quarter turns, um, especially in the side poses, are you a big fan of squeezing the let, squeezing the glute? in the hamstring as much as you can on that pose or how do you like to to do that because i know at a point at a point yeah you're going to see the lines on the side of the glute stuff but you can make that leg look a lot smaller if you're squeezing yeah. that hamstring too much so we had this with billy actually we was adapting his quarter turn because he was obviously a little bit conscious of his leg width um so what we did is adapting unless you have like really jacked legs you can hold the feet in exactly the same spot in the quarter turn so for but then for some guys by just putting that front foot which is close to the judges a good halfway across the rear foot you then see the hamstring from the rear then creating the illusion that you have a bigger leg so mm -hmm. your legs look thicker just from adjusting the foot placement you see yep yep and then a little bit of just like any side pose. Yeah, by the time you've already put the tension on that leg and squeezing that, that other leg into the hamstring, your glute should, if you're peeled, your glute should already come in without having to concentrate on squeezing it too hard. It already should sit there nicely. But obviously, there's like, people can be different, right? Some people can hit a side tricep and their, um, their glutes will be coming right underneath and just sitting there nice and peeled out. Whereas other guys will have to squeeze harder, but this is like knowing, knowing your physique and how you are hitting poses because everyone's different. Yeah, yeah, agreed. <clears throat> and I think side poses are side poses. People screw up a lot, to be honest, because like little things like not um, posing very. What word I would use for it? Like not twisting in at all. When you do, and you don't, you don't have to overly emphasize that, but even that little bit of rotation with that back, you know, that back pec and that back shoulder towards the judges makes a huge difference in the width of your, you know, physique and showing the obliques and everything. Yeah. So little things like that can, and even make your midsection look better, you know. Definitely, yeah. So, you're putting tension on the midsection, plus pulling it tighter then looks even tighter. So you're putting more pressure on it. Like when you say like over rotating, I always say to people in quarter turns, I said this to Emma on the weekend, Joe's and I was having a look over her before she got on stage and I looked at her quarter turns. But there's a point in a quarter turn, you'll know yourself, where you feel like you can't move and you can't rotate the torso anymore. You need to go from being just uncomfy to that little extra mile 
and just that extra rotation, bring the arms round, then just makes the physique look so much wider. Because there's nothing worse mm -hmm. than someone like a, a quarter turn, in my opinion, is probably the most butchered pose in bodybuilding because guys will just not rotate enough and just look so narrow. Mm -hmm. Simple things in a quarter turn, like not keeping the chin above the, the rear shoulder, then blocking out lines on a physique, just keeping the chin up as well, the half low out of there. So many little tweaks, so many little tweaks. Not, not keeping your, not flaring your elbows way out on side poses like yes. side chests. So you have big <laughs> gaps. <laughs> Hands as well is probably one of the biggest things as well, is keeping the hands tidy, keeping the thumbs tucked in the palms on a front relaxed or, or having like, if you're gonna hit like a, for myself, I hit like long armed poses, like, um, like twisted back doubles and stuff. I'll have my arms out long, but you wanna sort of get the hands matching so don't have like one held in and one held out. Like I like to have them so they're symmetrical, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah also even just front and rear relaxed poses understanding um what your arms look like like i have kind of peaky arms but in a relaxed pose they're not the width of the bicep is not good does that make mm -hmm. sense you know so like in a front double bicep a rear double bicep there you you hide that because they're more peaky right but in that front relaxed if i have my hands too high then you see that bicep looks kind of, you know, not as thick. Whereas if I just rotate my hands down slightly, then you're seeing the side of my arm instead of the front of my bicep. And it makes my arms look bigger. That tricep kind of pops out exactly. and, you know, makes a huge difference. So just like little things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Make it, my, I hold my arms low as well. Um, and just like I say, I, I rotate my, my hands into my body to show more bicep, then making you look wider. Like I said a minute ago, it's not focusing on just trying to pop with a lap because it would be a front lap. It's a front relax, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. And, and a mistake I think people make instead of hiring someone like yourself, like they, they're like, well, I watched so-and-so pose physique that I like. I'm like, yeah, but so-and-so's 250 pounds, they can pose six different ways and they're gonna look big. <laughs> you know like that's not everyone that's not all of us it's not it's just not reality Definitely. you know so that's a that's another another thing a, a hundred and a hundred and eighty pound guy has a lot less leeway in the way that he poses versus a 250 pound guy there's a lot more gaps isn't there on a, on a smaller guy and a smaller physique so it's knowing when to tweak sure. like these extra rotates of the torso uh, keeping the hands tidy. It's these little things that will uh, matter a lot more than a dude that's so jacked he has no lines where he could legit stand there, not even pose, and already win the show. <laughs> but you know yeah, when someone's like, jacked because they, they'll, they'll walk on stage, they'll stand with their hands by their side, and you'll still see that this dude still looks fucking 250 pounds. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like the old Ronnie Coleman and Marcus Rule front lat spread, how it looked like a most muscular because their their biceps are so big that they like cover their lats. If you notice with Ronnie Coleman, Ronnie Coleman's legs were that jacked. Like any normal person would sort of sit down on their legs or push their knees out towards each side of the stage. Straight. Straight. Locked straight and knees yep. pretty much touching together. <laughs> <laughs> there white as a red <laughs> yeah his his front lat spread was so insane to look at but if you but if you really analyze it he hit it terribly yeah like Roddy Coleman was an awful poser that's a good ex a good example of someone who had a ridiculous physique where it didn't even matter what pose he hit um he just like even his back um, double bicep like he'd hit that but the way he'd move around so untidily it just didn't matter because there was so much size and so much density it just didn't matter how we did it because we're just going to beat everyone yeah <laughs> but yeah of course of course uh again most people don't will never no matter what they do have that that luxury so exactly that's that's just uh reality
Um, Leon, I know you've been working hard, both yourself and Rye Brambleby, on stepping up the content that people can access on posing tutorials for people that can't uh, afford one-to-one -one posing coaching and stuff like that. So um, why don't we wrap this one up with you telling people where they can get access to that content, um, potentially your advice on people that want to um, either access you for one-to-one -one coaching or um, you know, what, what, where would you start with leveling up your posing? Well, first things first, obviously there is a little bit of content on my and Ryan's posing on the Physique Collective members forum already. There is um, like seminars that we have done in the past that are all filled up so you can see the little tips and stuff that we're giving in them. And there's also like me and Ryan have done videos where we're covering like, are you classic or what, or what category do I suit? And we've, we've done lots of um, inform, inform, informative stuff on the website. And obviously the easier one is just contact myself about posing. Um, if you're unsure on things, I'm always happy to help whether you want to book in a call or whether you just want um, a tip. Like I'm always giving out tips, especially on my Instagram. I'm always mm -hmm. posting, giving out free tips and little tricks that can help you on stage. What I am really looking forward to is what you mentioned with the visual podcast where you'll be yes. going through posing routines and doing commentary on them. I would, me personally, Austin, I bet you will agree with this. You know how like Fuad does his podcast where you can watch it and see who's speaking and whatnot. So Leon and Ryan were talking about doing a posing podcast where they go through people's posing routines, talk about the transitions, how they like this, how they like that, how you can apply it to your posing, things they don't like. I think that will be incredible, man. As a YouTube series, I would love to like watch that whilst I'm eating my meals and stuff like that. I think that would be insane. I bet. I, I would think that could be something that would really catch on. To be honest, you it's know, I think I'm space for it. That's for sure. That's why we're going to jump on it and get on it and call it the Flowcast. That's going to be the name for it. Oh yeah. So keep your eyes peeled for that one. Yeah, sweet. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. As always, Leon's social media links will be in the show notes below. So. If you need your posing sorting out, which 99.9% .9 of you listeners do, um, do get in touch with him and get him to brush up your presentation. Um, please check out the sponsor links below. And thank you for listening as always, guys. Peace.